your phone. And if you don't, don't worry. It'll be up on the screen behind me. I want to read one scripture and then I'll let you be seated. Here's what it says. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That was short and worth reading twice. Let me do it. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to preach to you just for a little while today. And, and please be, be aware. First of all, it's only 1134. It's only 1134. And technically, we're not supposed to start all the fun stuff till one o'clock. I have a feeling we'll be set up before that, but we wanted to make sure there was enough time, all right? So we have plenty of time. That's not a threat, but it is to put you at ease and know that we've got plenty of time. The second thing that I want you to be aware of is that I am aware. I'm aware that I'm one of the few things between you and awesome hamburgers and hot dogs I'm the one thing between you and your children and Tilt-A-World and carousels, and I'm a little offended everybody's so excited about dunking me in a tank. But I know there's trains. They said there's something about a foam cannon, petting zoo. I know it's all out there. I know, and I'm aware I'm in the way between you and that. But I do have something I think might help us all. Would you let me have your attention just for a minute? as I preach to you three steps to make you, to make you the best friend and family that you can be. Three steps. See, there's only three. It's gonna be easy. Three steps to make you the best friend and family that you can be. If you have a Bible, lay that down. And I think it's important for us to surrender ourselves to the word of God because I truly believe God always wants to speak to us and he will if we listen to him. So would you lay everything, just empty hands up to the Lord. It's kind of a, a sign to him that says, Lord, I want you to speak to me. Come on, help me pray in your own words. Father, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for these great people that have honored us with their presence. I thank you, Lord, for this wonderful crowd that's coming to your house today. I praise you, Lord, for your presence that we have felt as we have lifted up your name in worship. And I thank you, Lord, for this word. I know this word, God, is perfect all by itself. It doesn't need to be added to or taken away from, but Lord, it will do what it intended to do. And now, Lord, we just pray a, a simple, sincere prayer. God, let these finite, these simple words that come out of my mouth today, let them explode into the perfect word that every person needs to hear about their hearts, their lives, their relationships, and what you want to do in them. And I'm going to praise you ahead of time and know that any success and any glory belongs to you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Come on, would you clap your hands together? Let's, let's start by thanking him for his word. Thank you, Lord. Your word is forever settled in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for that truth and stability. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You can be seated today. Make yourself comfortable. I want to start today by saying that community is very important to God. Togetherness is something that's on the top of his agenda, especially when it comes to people. 
You can see shadows of this when he began his New Testament church. If you read the book of Acts, the, the birth of the church, he made sure one of the characteristics of that church is stated right there in his word. He made sure that his church was together. He gave them a bond with each other that was more than just close proximity. It was more than just the fact that they had even been through a, an experience together. He cemented his people together in him with his spirit. And here's what the Bible says about that first church. The Bible says that they spent time together. Can you believe it? They spent time together. They shared resources with each other. They, they invested time and energy in one another. Now, if that is not enough for you, if that does not resonate, then may I quote today the great theologian Winnie of Pooh, who said, a day without a friend is like a pot without a single drop of honey inside. I worked on that for a while. And if you are impressed with that, let me tell you, I do a killer tigger. I, I, if, you, if you'll see me after service, I'll give you that one too. God loves community. He, not, he wants community and he builds community. He wants people being together. Think about it. In the beginning, the very Genesis, he said, he, he created man. And he said, it's not good. And no women joke here. It's not good for a man or men or humanity to be alone. And so he created all of us. He created humanity. Psalms 133 and 1 says, Behold, pay attention, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he gives these word pictures that sometimes we miss. He said, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down upon the beard, the beard of Aaron. He cites his, his high priest in Old Testament worship and how that oil that they anointed the high priest with ran down even on his clothes. God ordered people to be anointed with oil in the Old Testament as part of worship. And that, anoint, that anointing of a person or a thing or a tool or an instrument in the Old Testament tabernacle, it was a sign of God's approval and, and God's ownership. And so he said, it's like that. And then he gave him another word picture. He said, it's like the dew of Hermon. It's Mount Hermon that sits alongside the Jordan Valley. He said, descending upon the mountains, for there the Lord commanded the blessing of life forevermore. In other words, the watershed that came off of that mountain and fed the entire and impacted the entire Jordan Valley. He said, when people get together, when, when community happens, when the biblical word, when fellowship happens, it not only has God's approval on it and God's stamp, it, it has a promise of impact that impacts more than just the person, but everything around it. Jesus furthered this idea in the New Testament in Matthew 18 and 20. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name. He said, there am I in the midst of them. So if you take those scriptures and you couple them together, here's what the Bible tells us, that God thinks us being together here is a pretty good deal. 
He thinks the fact that you showed up today and I showed up today and we all came together is a really good positive step forward. And here's the other thing the Bible tells us, that it makes an impact all around us. That the fact that we're together and coming together in unity, in worship and in praise and in fellowship afterwards, that this not just impacts us, that this impacts the world around us. It also tells us that he intends to get involved. That when he sees people come together, he likes it, he's drawn to it, and he gets involved with it. Now, that all sounds like wonderful promise, doesn't it? That sounds like a good deal. It sounds like there could be no downside, no downside to people coming together. But here's the truth, and you can say amen. If you've, if you've never said any man, this is a good place. Let's, let's practice this. Everybody say Amen. That means so be it, just means you agree, all right? So you're gonna practice. I'm gonna say something that's gonna be really true, and I know you're gonna agree with me, so you need to say amen. Here's it is. The truth of the matter is, friendships and family can get tough. Some of you were really excited when you said that. Can get very difficult. In spite of the fact that God says when families come together, it's good, and I'm drawn to it. In spite of the fact that when friends come together, it's good, and I'm drawn to it, and I approve of it. In spite of all that, the reality is that friends and family are tough relationships to navigate. Proverbs 18 and 24 was our text today, and and it said, if if you want friends, you got to show yourself or yourself become friendly. There's another version that says this, there are, and I use my quotes, and it literally is in quotes, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend, everybody say a real friend, a real friend sticks closer than a brother. It's, it's referring, this scripture is contrasting between people who call themselves friends and people who are really friends. Between, let me just say it, fake friends and real friends. There's an old adage that says, a friend in need is a friend indeed. Anybody ever heard that before? The meaning of this scripture is simply that there should be a willingness, that the willingness to meet another person's need is the true sign of friendship. That a person's willingness to meet the need in someone else's life is the true sign of what a friend is all about. And so today, just for three brief moments, I want to preach away the quotes from everybody here today. I wanna preach away the fake, if you wanna put it that way, from everybody here today and move us from the front of that verse, if you're there, to the end of that verse. Not friends who destroy each other, but friends that stick closer than a brother. And I think there are three words that's gonna help us get there, all right? Let me tell you what they are. I'm gonna let the cat out of the bag and then we'll go back. The three words are this, invest, challenge, and stick. Invest, challenge, and stick. Come on, say them with me. Invest, challenge, and stick. Oh, it can't be that, that can't be that easy, Pastor. I promise you that if you will invest, if you will challenge and you will stick, you're gonna find one thing out. Your friendships are better, your family's better, your marriage is better, because there's three steps that make you into the best friend and the best family that you can be. The first is invest, because the best of friends and family always invest in each other. Proverbs 18 and one says, a man who isolates himself seeks 
his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment because the best friends and family invest in others around them. This is why Paul would write to us in Philippians 2 and 4. He would say, let each of you look out not only for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Don't be just interested in your own life. Don't be just focused on your own life and your own decisions and your own plan and your own purposes. But we're instructed by the Bible to be interested in the lives of others. Jesus and his disciples used this phrase, one another. Do you know, dozens of times in their teaching, in Jesus' teaching and in the teaching of the disciples, he would say stuff like, love one another care for one another, help one another, prefer one another, receive one another, serve one another, greet one another, warn one another, encourage one another, and on and on and on. And this all sounds great, but here's the truth about everything I just said. It takes sacrifice to get involved with one another. You have to give something away. See, a lot of folks think friendship is about getting, but what I read in my Bible is true. Friendship is more about giving. Everybody say giving. This is what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 7, 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. And then he, he, he followed it up by saying, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. We call it the golden rule. And it's there in the Bible because the truth of the matter is, I've, because of what I do for a living, I see a lot of folks. I observe a lot of lives, all right? I, just, I got a front row seat to everything. Let's just put it that way. And here's what I found out. I found out that you don't attract what you want. You attract what you are. I found out that bitter people tend to attract bitter people. I found out that positive people tend to attract positive people because you attract what you are, not what you want. What I'm saying today is friendship is not something that you should wait on for someone else to provide you. The Bible tells us that the responsibility lies with each and every one of us. If you're going to have friends, you better be friendly yourself. Not a friend, but a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen? Now, I use the word invest because it says it all in one word, invest. Everybody say invest. Invest, I, I use the word invest because there are two things. There is risk and there is reward, just like in a financial investment. There is risk and there is reward. The potential for both lies within it. But here's what's great about investing in godly relationships around you. The long-term gain is always greater than the short-term losses. Because the Word of God tells us in Ecclesiastes 4 that two are better than one. Somebody say amen. Because Two, they have great reward, good reward for their labor. If one falls, the other one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls because there's no one there to help him up. If two lie down together, they'll keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And if you could get three people, that is something that cannot be easily broken. Why is this so powerful? 
We go back to that scripture in Psalms because God said this was good. It is good for us to be together. Think about creation. God made everything. He made the plants. He made the people. He made the dust of the earth. And every time he got done, he said it is good. Why? Because it was beautiful and it could not be broken. It was unbroken in its infancy. I would tell you that when you come together with other people, it's good for the same reason. Because when God God's people get together when there is community it is good and it's really hard for it to be broken so you got to invest in others to be the best friend that you can be everybody say invest the second word is challenge challenge look at somebody and say I want to challenge you because the best of friends challenge each other the best of friends challenges you challenge each other Proverbs 27 and 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It gives us this word picture of kind of, you think in your kitchen, a knife sharpener. You've got that big old long, long pole looking thing and you got a sharp knife and you're, you're striking those things together, metal against metal. It looks like it's friction. It looks like it's conflict. But what's happening? The knife is getting sharper every time they come together. That's what God says about a friend that's bold enough and honest enough to challenge you about who you really are. Proverbs 27 and 9 says, The heartfelt counsel of a friend is as sweet as perfume and incense. That if you'll think about it right, that a friend that will challenge you is like a breath of fresh air. Let me tell you something. you got to be careful with people that agree with you all the time. Because that is some sort of idea in your brain that exists that thinks I'm right all the time. Can I get anybody to say Amen. When you're happy with people that agree with you all the time, there is this, this false self-confidence in the back that says, well, I must be right all the time. Every feeling I feel, I must, that must be right. Every decision I make, that must be right. And if you look hard enough, especially today, in the, in the day and the time of social media, you can find somebody to agree with you. I don't care how wrong you are. I don't care how messed up you are. There'll be 25 people come and say, come on, man, that's not, but you'll find one that says, preach it, brother. That's right, because people who agree with you all the time are not always the best for you. A real friend has the courage to say, the problem is not the devil. A real friend has the courage to say, no, it's not the system around you. No, it's not your boss. It's not that other person. It's not even people. The only thing it is is you. If everything stinks around you, it may not be anything else. You may be the stinker. And a good friend can smell you from a mile away. That just came to me. That wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> Good friends challenge each other. Now, I got to be careful here. I got to be careful because in a crowd this size, if you're that type of person that enjoys telling other people what's wrong with them, <laughs> let me just warn you, you have to be their friend for this to have a chance of working because they don't care what you think. 
till they know that you care, right? And so you got to, everybody say invest. You got to invest first. After you invested somebody, then you gain the platform to look at them with courage and boldness and tell them there's some things that need to be sharpened up. And I'm not saying that because I enjoy it. I'm saying that because I've got your pure motive and your best interest in my heart. This is what was meant by the writer in Hebrews in chapter 10 when he said, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Let's think of ways, he said, to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let me figure out, let me stop and take enough time to figure out how my family can be better. How my, how my, my brothers and sisters, how the church, how my friends can be better. How can I motivate people around me to have the love of God and the interests of the kingdom at their heart to do good works? Henry Ford said this, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Solomon said, a good friend keeps you sharp because the best of friends knows how to challenge one another. The last one may be the most important one, only because if you don't do this, it doesn't matter how much you invest, and it doesn't matter how much you challenge. It all gets washed away if you don't stick. It all is for naught if you're only there for a season, because the best of friends stick. The Bible said a man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there's a friend who, everybody say sticks. He sticks closer than a brother. That means what you think it means. You go down into the original Hebrew, guess what it means? It means adhere. It means stick. It means like glue. If you want to, like, like that good wallpaper, that if you try to take it down, it takes the wall with it. There's no peeling it off. There's no wiping it off. There's no chemical that'll take it down. It's there. It's become a part of the framework of what it's stuck together. That's the idea that God gives us about our friendship. When they are godly ones, they are friends that stick closer than a brother. It's a promise for every relationship. A promise that you're going to have to have a time and a season where you're going to have to stick. Because here's what I can promise you about people. Are you ready? Again, my observations. If you're going to deal with another human being on this planet, there will be conflict. You can't have relationship without conflict. As long as there is humanity, there will be arguments. Or as I like to call them, intense moments of discussion. As long as there is humanity, there'll be fights. As long as there is humanity, there's going to be disagreements. They're going to have differences of opinions. There's, get this, there's going to be a clash of personalities if you've got more than one human being involved. Can somebody say amen? I've been married to my wife for 32 years. And there's no joke there. It's all been good. 32 years God has given us. But would you believe we still have disagreements? We cannot agree on how to order our breakfast sandwiches in the McDonald's drive through line. There is obviously a way that I can't get into my head. And so you know what I've done? I've just, just started when I drive up. I look at her and say, what do you want me to say? 
because I don't care. I just want my sausage burrito. That's it. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have conflict. That's part of the human framework. But there are two keys to sticking. You ready? Two keys to sticking with it. Here it is. It's real simple. Put up with each other and forgive. Okay, let me say that again. I know that went by fast, and it's truly that simple. If you're going to stick with a friendship, if you're going to stick in a relationship, here's two things you're going to have to do. There's a lot of other things. I don't have time to preach all of them, but here's the two big things you're going to have to do. You're going to have to put up with that person, and you're going to have to forgive that person. You're going to have to put up with the fact that they're different. They got different ideas. They deal differently. They act differently. They talk differently. They think differently. Somebody say, put up with them. And here's the other thing. You're going to have to forgive them because they're going to make mistakes. They're going to say things they shouldn't have said. They're going to get angry. They're going to get mad. They're going to lose their temper. and They're going to lose temporary insanity and make even maybe poor decisions. Now, that goes against the grain of today's society. If I just tell you, look, put up with it and forgive. That goes against the grain of culture right now. A culture of entitlement. A culture of here's what should be happening for me. And here's everybody exists to make me happy. But Colossians 3 tells us, make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anybody that offends you. Because you got to remember this one thing. Get ready. It's going to be a sucker punch right to the gut. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So before you get on your high horse and say, but pastor, you don't know how long I've dealt with this. But I do know how far Jesus went to Calvary to forgive you. So here's what I would suggest. That you put up with it and you forgive. Make allowance. Make allowance for it. What does that mean? That means I know ahead of time how Alan is. And so before I even start, I, I, I invoke the Alan factor. Come on, that's what I'm talking about. Before you decide, you pre-decide. The power of pre-deciding. You decide ahead of time. The fact of the matter is, for most of the relationships that we're dealing with, they're not brand new. You give a lot of grace to somebody brand new. Well, maybe that's how, I don't know, maybe that's how they act. You're, you give them a lot of grace. It's the relationships that you know all about that you get all frustrated with. And the fact of the matter is, you know all about them. So if you know all about them, the Bible says you make room for it. And you deal with it. You put up. Forgive. How many times? Oh, I got bad news for you that have thresholds. I have bad news for you that says I'm no doormat. I got bad news for you that say, you know, there is a limit. There's only so much that I can do. I've got bad news. Because they asked Jesus how many times, and Jesus gave them an answer that equated to this, as many times as you have to. Oh, you mean a lot? No, not a lot, forever. 
every time, but they keep doing it. But here's what I'm telling you. Jesus keeps covering you with grace and he keeps holding you up and he keeps giving you mercies every single morning. You wouldn't last a second with the amount of grace that you have for other people. That's why you've got to have God's grace because it's new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. How many times? What if it's been weeks? Forgive them. What if they betrayed me? Forgive them. What if they did it over and over again? They know it hurts me. Jesus said, forgive them. What if they're disloyal? Forgive. What if they offend? Forgive. What if they let me down? What if they disagree? What if they hurt? What if they're even just absent and not around? Jesus said, put up with it and forgive. Because every good friendship and family is full of those actions and decisions. And so the wisdom writer in Proverbs 17 would write, a friend loves at all times. Somebody say all times. Has any of you this week had a time where you were slightly unlovable? Go ahead, raise your hand. Come on. Confession's good for the soul. Raise your hand, right? I know I have. Unlovable. Ain't nobody gonna love me right now. You don't want to get close to me right now. Unlovable. But the Bible says a friend loves at all times. And get this, a brother is born for adversity. Because the best of friends stick together. When things get rough, that's when friends rise to the occasion. When, when, when circumstances prevail, that's when friends rise to the occasion. Even when conflict comes, you know, you know those friends... Friends kind of sweep it under the rug. Friends melt into the backdrop. Friends don't come around anymore. But true friends, they say, ah, I was born for this conflict. I was born for this adversity. Adversity, And the friendship and the relationship that I have is worth fighting for and sticking to and putting up with and forgiving if I have to. I want you to stand with me here this morning. Your best in friendship and family is sewed up in three words. Invest, challenge, and stick. And here's what I'll tell you. Your community deserves your best. Your family deserves your best. Your neighbors, the people you live close to, they deserve your best. Your school deserves your best. Your church deserves your best. So if I need to have the best version of me, here's what I've figured out personally. The best version of Brad Nave does not exist in a workplace somewhere. It doesn't exist even in the confines of my family. The best version of me is the one that includes him. I've tried many versions of me. Some of you that have known me from a little boy, you've seen some of those versions, and I'm sorry. But I've tried lots of versions of me. Anybody tried to make themselves better? I mean, in all honesty, is this the first time that you've even given thought to being a better friend? No. So the first time today that you've thought, you know what, I ought to be, I ought to be a better father than I am. Probably not. I ought to be more involved in the things around me, my church, my community. I ought to, 
I ought to be nicer to my neighbors. I ought to take their garbage can up once in a while. I, I ought to be doing, that's not the first time. There's lots of things that we have tried to do to better ourselves, employ tools, spend money to make a better version of us. But the truth of the matter is that it's much simpler than what we make it. The best version of us is the one with Jesus involved. Remember what he said, whether there are two or three are gathered, but there's a key. Gathered together. Come on, somebody shout it out. In my name. If, if, if they'll involve me, I promise I'll be involved with them. If you'll involve Jesus in your life, he will get involved. Because the best version of you is the one that involves Jesus. I got to tell you, as I was preparing this message, it's a tough one for me. It's a tough one for me because I've, I looked and I've, I've realized I have failed to invest in what I should invest in. I, I've, I've got issues where I've definitely not been as sticky as I, I should be. I, there's times where I ought to stuck it out a little bit longer and been a better friend and should be. So I completely understand what this is saying to us. And here's what I've figured out. I can't do it. If I could do this, what I just preached, it'd already be done. The fact of the matter is I need help. I need help to be the friend I'm supposed to be. I need help to be the father. I need help to be the son. I need help to be the friend, the neighbor, the member of the community. I need help to do this right. Because my good enough is not good enough. Proverbs 18 and 24 said, there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And yes, it does mean that there's a version of you that can be a real friend instead of a fake friend. But this verse is also a nod to something far above and far greater than just you or I. Can I tell you, there is a friend that can stick closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. And he's looking for somebody to invite him into their midst and into their lives because he he has this great desire to get involved with every aspect. Yes, every friendship, every relationship, every marriage, every child, every part of your community. There's no part of your life that God can't and won't make better. And I wish I had about at least two or three people that said I can testify when Jesus got involved with my life. All these things became better. Come on, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added to yeah. there's a friend it's the closer than a brother and the Bible tells us in John 1:11 that he came Jesus came to his own and his own did not receive him but as many as did receive him he gave them the right to become children of God to those that believe in his name and they weren't born of blood, and they weren't born of the flesh or the will of man, but they were born of God. There, you have a heavenly father today that says above all rights that anybody might bestow on you, you have a heavenly spiritual right to be a child of God. A right. Nobody can take it from you. Nobody can wrestle it away. No circumstance can Walk or talk you out of it. You've got a right. 
And Jesus desires in your life to invest and challenge, to show you, be honest about who you really are, to invest in you everything, all the resources of his kingdom. And I promise you, he's not one that's gonna be here on Sunday. And when you wake up on Monday, you're by yourself. I need somebody to testify. He's a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, God. Every 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, he'll never leave you or forsake you. He's adhered. And you'd have to tear your life apart to get rid of him. I wonder today if there's someone that needs that kind of help. I want to invite you, and I'll never make anybody uncomfortable for anything, but I want to invite you. It's our custom to respond to the word of the Lord. There's going to be several that when I say, they're going to come, and that's just how we do it here. But if, if you have a need of God in your life, if you need God to help you with a relationship, and even one small point of what the word of God has spoken today, if it is resonating in your heart, I challenge you to get out of your seat and just come and join the believers that are going to come right now. And if people are saying, you know what? There, because here's the fact. There's nobody here that doesn't need a little bit of help. I don't care where you are in your faith journey. At the beginning, the middle, or the end, there's nobody here that doesn't need a little help from Jesus in the relationships that are surrounding you. God wants to create and give the best version of you to you. Come on, is there anybody else? Many are coming right now. Don't be shy. Don't be shy. Come on up. Just join. These are just folks that say, you know what? I need some more of Jesus. I need the power of Jesus in my life. And you just begin to pray and talk to him just like you'd have a conversation with me. Just talk to him just like you talk to me in your own words. Don't worry about who's around you. Be as loud or as quiet as you want. It doesn't matter. Come on, but just talk to the Lord. Father, I need you. I need you here today. God, I've got some of you have got circumstances and relationships that you need God's help in. You got kids that haven't talked to you for years. You got a marriage that's on the rocks. You need Jesus to help you. Come on, would you do it? Would you do it? Maybe even right there in your seat. If you can't come, that's all right. Right there in your seat, close your eyes, bow your head, raise your hands, whatever. But talk to He hears and answers the prayers of His people. Come on, as a worship team, as they sing again, come on, use this opportunity. Cry out to the Lord in your own words.